Welcome to the Ordinary Doula Podcast with Angie Rozier, hosted by Birth Learning, where we help prepare folks for labor and birth with expertise coming from 20 years of experience in a busy doula practice, helping thousands of people prepare for labor, providing essential knowledge and tools for positive and empowering birth experiences. This is Angie with the Ordinary Doula Podcast, and we have some pretty awesome stuff to talk about today. One of my favorite topics, actually, and something I like to focus on with my clients. So what, what doulas help people do is use tools. There's lots and lots of tools to use during labor, and I think one of the most important tools gets overlooked. It's not a tangible item. It's not um, a pharmaceutical tool. This tool is simply movement. The tool of movement during labor can be incredibly important to how the process goes, how it's perceived, how it's actually felt in the body, and how the baby is able to move with labor. So this is for our folks with the plan to get an epidural and our folks with a plan to not get an epidural. Movement is still key. So positions matter. We have a baby who's always in a position, and there's a lot of different positions to be in as a little baby in a pelvis. And then we have the mom's body who is also in different positions, and those two things are very related. The position of the mom's body can definitely influence the position that the baby is trying to um, work with and how they're trying to maneuver through through the pelvis. Positions and movement can also have a good impact. Well, yeah, I'd say a good impact can have a positive impact on sensation that the laboring person is feeling. So the the types of sensations that are coming from contractions, we can call that pain, we can call that pressure. There's a lot of different connotations for that, the discomfort that comes from that. And as you move, a lot of times it can be easier to deal with the kind of sensations that labor is bringing. So movement, move during labor. Our culture, if you think about it, um, over in the United States anyway, over the last several decades, movement is not um, encouraged. Movement is not, wasn't seen as a normal thing, but it is so normal to labor. Like we got to move during labor. So what I most often see when I enter a laboring room is the laboring person doing something very organic. They are, nobody told them to do it, <laughs> um, but they just kind of naturally do this this movement and position. They're leaning forward onto something. So the forward posture, it might be that the bed is raised up higher and they're leaning onto the bed or maybe they're leaning onto a counter. If there's a sink in the room, something like counter height, they're standing with their feet about hip width apart or a little wider, and they're just swaying back and forth. So rocking, just rocking during labor. That is a fabulous position and movement to help the baby to navigate the pelvis. Other simple movements are walking. So this can be pacing around the room. If you're at home or you're outside, if you're in the halls of a facility, you can pace those halls. If you're at home or somewhere with stairs, doing some stairs is incredible movement for the pelvis. Also, Um, curb walking. You know, we've heard a lot about curb walking. That's awesome. It's kind of weird feeling, but it does a lot of good movement for 
the pelvis and what the baby's trying to accommodate. So rhythmic movement as well. Sometimes people will just kind of get in a rhythm and that rhythm is really great for um, some coping strategies just to help people with the pain management to be in a rhythm. Maybe they are just kind of swaying back and forth, rocking back and forth. Maybe the rhythm is someone else is helping them. Maybe they're doing counter pressure, some other kind of touch, which some kind of touch can do some manipulation and minor movement inside for, I mean, the touch is comfortable and then the movement that's created inside is helpful, help, also helpful. So we have large movements and we have small movements. Some really great large movements. When I see somebody step into a tub, whether it's like a tub, a, a tall tub at their house, a garden tub or something, or it's a rented birth pool or a birthing pool at a birth center or a hospital, that's usually kind of a high side. And so that big, nice high step over the edge of the tub awesome awesome what's going on inside and can help help that baby to navigate the pelvis so we know that gravity works the more upright the body is during labor the the birthing person's body so we got that woman's body that's upright that's going to help the baby to descend there are two major things going on during labor that the uterus is trying to accomplish one of them is dilation or opening the cervix the second one is the rotation and descent of the baby's body, which is led led by the head, of course, through the pelvis. So those two things are definitely related. As the cervix opens, the baby can, you know, come down through the cervix, but there's a lot of navigation ahead of that and after that. The baby has to enter the birth canal and we got to help that baby. That baby's got to do that whether we're helping them or not. So I love that when we can move around, we're going to be helping that baby. So as I've talked about before, our cultural norm is laying in bed, being a compliant patient, being monitored all the time. The monitors are designed to, and they do, like they work best if the mom is in a lying down or semi-reclined position on the bed. So she's kind of static. That's how our monitors work best. So folks who work in the hospitals, that's what they would love you to do. They would love you to just kind of lie back in the bed. Um, you're not using a ton of gravity when you're like laying down and, and definitely not laying down, but even semi-reclined, not a ton of gravity. There's a video we watch when we train doulas. We explore some history of childbirth in the United States. And there's a video we watch about um, in the 1950s and it kind of prepares you or so it says to, to give childbirth and um, and the whole time this woman's just laying in a bed pretty flat in a bed she's knitting part of the time people are coming and going she's going through labor and for someone who's seen thousands of women through labor it's just not like this this woman is a very compliant patient for the video I guess and maybe people were in the 1950s where there was no sound expected out of them, no movement, no complaint. You kind of just laid in the bed maybe and suffered really. If you if you can't move and you can't get some help, then you know that adds to the we, we go in we enter that suffering stage during labor. Um and she she just stayed there until it was time to push and she pushed on the bed. She never got out of the bed. She entered the hospital, laid down on the bed, had a baby in that same position. So get that image out of our minds. With our doula training, we talk a lot about the movement and Anyone helping someone in labor should know a whole lot about the movement of the body, both bodies in labor, baby's body, mom's body. So the baby has to navigate, and we're going to actually be talking to this awesome expert in one of our podcasts, a good friend of mine who specializes in this, but that baby has to navigate the pelvis, and the pelvis isn't just a straight tube and tunnel. It has different protrusions of bones and different spaces, and the spine can be involved, um, different people have, you know, just genetically, we all have, we don't have the same shape of pelvis, which also doesn't matter, but babies can navigate through a, a variety of pelvises, of course. 
So don't let anybody say, oh, your pelvis is such and such shaped. You won't be able to have a baby. We don't know that. We don't know. We got to give baby options and, and give the pelvis options. So as the baby navigates, we want to provide spaces for the baby to navigate. And when we're relying flat on a bed, we're actually compressing that um, opening of the pelvis somewhat. We're not using gravity. We're not being upright. And those forward postures, which we're not doing when we're semi-reclined or laying down on a bed, those forward postures help the baby to rotate around. So if you think about it, we're always in one of four positions. Anyone in labor, not in labor, pregnant, not pregnant. We're sitting, standing, kneeling, or laying down. And folks in labor are going to be in one of those four positions. They'll be sitting, standing, kneeling, or laying down. So there's subtle movements we can make in any one of those positions. And we want to be changing positions kind of frequently for labor. So every 30-ish minutes, we want to do some changes of positions. And I love using the toilet as an excuse and helping people remember to keep their bladders empty. So if we're going to the toilet every 30-ish minutes, 30 to 60 minutes, we've stood up, we're using gravity, we're walking, we're maneuvering the pelvis in that awesome walk state. We've sat on the toilet, which is a modified supported squat. The toilet also for most of us is a very common place to sit. Everyone sits there couple times a day, hopefully a few times a day. Um, You've been sitting there your whole life. If you are in our culture in the United States, it's something you're trained to do. You're trained to open up on the toilet, to push on the toilet, to um, to, to just, we're, we're comfortable being on the toilet. So making a visit to the toilet every 30 to 60 minutes is one great way to change positions and keep movement going. Also, of course, the importance of keeping the bladder empty is good, but consider the toilet. Also, it doesn't have to be that big of a motion when we change positions every 30 to 60 minutes. Perhaps you were sitting and coping in a certain position and you wanted to just shift a little bit. So if you're in a sitting position, maybe you're rocking in a chair or sitting on a ball. Maybe you could elevate one foot with a low stool and do that. You know, again, you might have that rhythmic going back and forth. You might have that rhythmic rocking switch feet within a few minutes and do the other side. Sometimes we have to move during labor. Again, it helps with that sensation control. I've had clients that literally crawl around the room because that's how they have to move through the labor processes and that helps them. And think about yourself when you are in pain, whether that's um, sickness, headache. Think of times in your life when you've been in pain. If movement has been part of that, sometimes we have a joint injury or something and Movement in a certain way might be some relief or not movement and some joint pain things or muscle if you have a muscle injury of some kind. But sometimes the movement is that coping strategy. Sometimes I know when I um, had COVID once during the, the whole awesome COVID era and my body was just aching. So before I knew I had COVID, it was just my body was aching and I just had to rock just like rhythmically moving back and forth. Um, Holding still was painful. That's very common during labor as well. Holding still like our video, our vintage video from the 1950s, that woman just lying in bed and knitting. I just can't imagine how somebody can cope with labor as they hold that still. So be prepared to move for a coping strategy. And as you do so, it's going to help everything else too. Um, some tools to help with movement, right? There are some tangible tools to help with movement. I'm only going to talk about a few of those. What we call a birth ball. Depending on your world, you might call it an exercise ball or a yoga ball or something, but just one of those big, you know, 65, 55, 75 centimeter balls, depending how tall you are. A ball is a great 
place to spend some movement, whether you're sitting on it, that'd be a seated position. You might be sitting and rocking, doing some figure eights. That's going to be amazing hip and pelvis movement. You might be sitting and leaning forward onto a bed or a couch. You might be kneeling and then leaning towards the ball, just kind of draping your upper body and your arms over the ball. Awesome, awesome way to use the ball. You might be doing that on the bed or the hospital bed. The bed is a great tool for movement. And I want to think about a hospital bed. I do not love the hospital bed for just laying in, but for everything else is an amazing tool. It's so versatile. That hospital bed does lots of different positions. So play with it. If you're giving birth in a hospital, when you get to your hospital space in your room, play with that bed. There's all kinds of um, handles around it. Kind of be familiar with those are. It can go in all kinds of positions. The back can come almost pretty straight up. The bottom of the foot of the bed can drop. There's a position in the doula world, well, in the labor world, um, known as the throne position. And that center part of the bed is like a little bench. And then the feet drop down and the head comes up. So it's kind of like you're on a toilet with a squatty potty. And so your feet are kind of raised up. Great position to labor in. And you can even alter that position a little bit. You can have the bed in that throne position and kneel and lean forward on it. Some people will kneel on the very bottom foot of the bed and lean up onto the bench part of the bed. Some people will kneel on the bench part, drape themselves up over the upper part of the bed, kind of the head of the bed that can go almost straight up. Um, The whole bed, sometimes we'll have the whole bed flat and straight and just raise the whole thing up. It can go up pretty high. That is a great tool if we want to stand for a little while. It can be uncomfortable to bend and lean low to lean on something. So bring that bed, make it the height that you want it. And you can even modify that a little bit with pillows. So you can bring the bed up high and then if you need a little bit higher, put a couple pillows on that, something soft to lean forward. That's also a common position during labor. So the bed is an awesome tool. If you're at home, your own bed, you can kneel and lean towards the bed. You can um, make a pillow nest on the bed. So thinking of some positions you can do on the bed. And of course, there are some laying down movements or positions as well that you can do. And you can move while lying down, whether you have your Um, maybe your bottom leg against the bed is all the way straight or even kind of curling towards your back. And some of these are difficult to describe verbally, um, but we help people into them all the time. And you can have kind of that, uh, it's almost like your back is arched a little bit. There's a position called the flying cowgirl that we kind of arch the back and bring the hips back using a peanut ball. Oh, that's another kind of ball that we can use. Um, So lying down is you know, that's a position to be in. And there's lots of different modifications you can do to lying down as well. Sometimes we'll do what's called exaggerated sims, where that bottom leg against the bed is flat or not bent knee or anything but flat. And then that top leg will bend the knee and kind of bring it up over the belly. That can help babies to rotate around as well. Spend some time in that position on either side. The tub is another great place. Like I mentioned before, stepping in and out of a tub is awesome. And also just being in the tub. Sometimes we have more ability to move in the tub because it takes away some of the aches and pains of pregnancy, the heaviness that we might be experiencing. So buoyancy is helpful, also helps baby to um, be able to rotate. So spending some time in the tub or in the shower Again, more so we're adding more sensations as we're in the hot shower. We're feeling that water on us. It's bringing some comfort. We might be able to move more in comfort. Some people will find that when a contraction or a surge or a pressure wave comes on, they have to hold still. They have to, they're just going to hunker down and be where they are. Whether they love that position or not, they cannot move during that pressure wave, contraction, or surge. And then when it's done, they might do some moving. A lot of people 
can anticipate that a surge is coming and they'll get into the best position for that. So sometimes we'll see people resting between contractions. They can feel one coming and they'll pop up on their hands and knees and we might work on their back or work on double hip squeeze or give some counter pressure, whatever that might be, assist them through that. Then the contraction goes and they're back to resting on their side. Um, so, I'll, you know, it's very common to have a good position to be in for a contraction and then shift afterwards. And that changes. That's not going to last for hours. A lot of times we want to change the changes. And that's why we want to have lots of tools and movement tools are very important. There are footstools. I love a little footstool. If you have it at home, um, some birth centers will have a small stool. You can get creative and use even... Um, you know, it's not to stand on necessarily, so don't really consider standing on it, but to rest a foot on. So if there's a sturdy box or something at home, a small platform, kind of like the height of a step, maybe just for a regular stair, put your foot up. So if you're standing and leaning on the bed, hospitals will have a little footstool, have that footstool there where you can raise one foot up for a while for a few surges, and then you can raise the other one up. That's some nice subtle movements during labor. So a good footstool can be helpful. You can also use a footstool while you're sitting on the toilet. A squatty potty is great too. You can use one side of it, both sides of it. Um, you can also use a footstool and a, that asymmetrical movement where we're not doing the same thing to both sides of the pelvis can be really helpful to open up parts of the pelvis for that baby to rotate through. So if you're sitting on the ball for a while, you might want to put your foot up on something and switch to the other foot after a while. Change it up. I've talked about doing stairs. A lot of hospitals may have access to stairs. Um, if you're at a birth center, they may or may not have access to stairs, but a curb can work as well. And sometimes a step stool, you do step up and down, you know, um, in a gentle supported manner so that you always have some stability, something to hold on to. Um, also using pillows, blankets, there's lots of different things. And people, other people, right? Consider who's on your team. How are they going to help you with movement? It's very helpful um, if you know nothing. Let's say you're supporting somebody during labor. It's very helpful to just suggest movement every once in a while. So we're talking every five-ish contractions. That's about half an hour or to an hour. If somebody's really restful, they're able to get some rest, don't make a move. But if you know we're in that active labor, that movement can kind of help change things for both the baby's position and the coping strategies of the laboring person or the mom. So... If you know nothing else, just offer or suggest movement, have a next movement in mind. I'm always thinking when I'm helping someone in labor, like, all right, what are we going to do next? Let's do this for a while. We'll see how long she tolerates this. Like if she can do this for a while, this is a great position. Some positions we suggest that people get in is not for comfort, but maybe for a rotation of the baby. So usually we're going to, you know, let's move for comfort. Listen to the mom's body. She'll tell us, yes, I like that. I'm going to do that. That's working for three contractions or 12 contractions or whatever it might be. Sometimes it only works for one. We switch it up, but kind of be anticipating like, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? When this isn't working anymore, what's our next go-to? The bath is really great to go to. The tub is really great to go to. The shower can be a good to use for a while. Sometimes changing venue, just if you're in one room, go to another. If you're in the labor room, go into the bathroom for a minute. If you're in a birth, you know, if, if you're able to go outside, if you're in a birth center, um, changing venue a little bit just gives a different energy to, as, and it's movement, right? We're moving through the, through that space. So movement is one of the my favorite tools, and it's one that people oftentimes don't think about. 
I will tell you when we have done our retrospective surveys and studies, one of the things people want most from labor support is to know when to use the tools and the positions and the movements. So if you don't have a doula, if you're helping someone in labor, if you're anticipating labor, have your team suggest movements, have a few ideas in mind, because we want to use those tools. If we go in blank minded, we're not going to know what to do, but have a plan to move during labor. Movement's key. And if you need to do a consultation with us, we are happy to meet with you. Go to birthlearning.com. We do half hour and one hour consultations with you and your birth team. We can help come up with a movement plan, a coping plan. Um, We'd love to learn about your specific situation and help there. So thanks for being with us today. This is Angie Dula with the Ordinary Podcast. Go do something awesome today. Do something that inspires you to move forward and spread kindness in our world. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Ordinary Dula Podcast with Angie Rozier, hosted by Birth Learning. Episode credits will be in the show notes. Tune in next time as we continue to explore the many aspects of giving birth.